back to <laughs> Rubik's. We're jumping, <laughs> jumping right Sorry. into it. Didn't know we were starting. Um, it's, we're, we're a bit out of practice. It's, it's been a while since we've uh, both been here and able to record an episode. But um, I was actually saying when I said it's, it's been, a, we, well, I mean, we've, we've had Christmas have ha- has had happened, Christmas, New Year's we happened, a, we've had the bishop come. So yeah, I was just thinking. We had, we had a week where we were going to record and then we had broken windows and we had to deal with yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's just so. parish life has, has, as it should, has taken precedence over what we enjoy doing in this, but sometimes yeah. there are more pressing matters that we That's must right. tend to. So January 18th, um, I think this is our first one of the new year, yeah. so happy new year. Um, we had a great Christmas and 12 days following and epiphany. Um, we had uh, lots and lots of masses in those couple weeks and um, a good showing at our epiphany mass, and so it was... It was a wonderful few weeks, um, and now I feel like it's already almost February and Lent's around the corner, and we're just you know plunging headfirst. Um, so as, Christmas kind of happens. Christmas for me as a priest is different than obviously than what Christmas is for most people. Your not your first Christmas ordained, but yeah. first Christmas ordained as a priest. Any any reflections or anything surprise you? About. Uh, Chloe and I were joking that um, the 12 days of Christmas will become very, very important for us because Christmas Eve and Christmas Day are gone. Yep. Yeah, uh, so, so busy. And so, you know, we did like a Zoom with my parents on, you know, the third or fourth day of Christmas. Um, you know, we did our personal one, you know, on the 26th. And um, anyway, so th- th- those 12 days living into those uh, is actually, you know, practically helpful because. Um, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day are going to be busy, and then we can actually spend time with each other on, you know, the, the following week and following days. And so that was fun. Um, James is too young to actually enjoy gifts, so, you know, he crinkled the wrapping paper and, and we got him some stuff. Um, but that was that was fun to have somebody else to buy some gifts for. Um, and next year we'll be, you know, ramped up to level ten. Um, now that he'll be, you know, a year and a half, so he'll be all into it next year. But. My favorite, good. my favorite part every year are the three days that follow. Yeah, that's why I was a bit jealous this year to let me um, keep those feasts um, because it's quiet. The, mm-hmm. the trees are up in the church. The manger is still there. You still are humming Christmas carols, mm-hmm. and you have these amazing feasts of Saint Stephen, um, mm-hmm. um, Holy Innocents, and and Saint John. And I really enjoy them um, because yeah, I I don't. When I'm ready to start having the Christmas carols and the Christmas music, it's off the radio. Yeah, it's off the radio. It's off, and and it really is It's unfortunate. Yeah. Robert sang my uh, favorite—becoming my favorite um, Christmas carol, Christmas hymn, on Christmas Day this morning of the Father's love begotten. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, I'm thrilled you're singing this. And he said, ah, I didn't even notice if anybody would, would notice. Um, one of it's my, not one we normally sing. No, but. one of my great um, ambitions is to recover Christmas Day as a big deal. Yeah. It can be an extraordinarily mm-hmm. wonderful um, break in yeah. what is otherwise uh, a commercialized, yeah. lazy day. Um, and it's only an and hour. Honestly, I was about to say. It's an hour and 15 you know, minutes out of your day. Like, it takes that much time. No, I, mean, I used to it, tell parents. If your family was like mine, you have five, six hours on Christmas Day where you're just sitting around doing, doing nothing. Doing nothing, absolutely. Um, and that's after the gifts and the lunch, and you know, then you just kind of veg out for a while. So I tell parents, you've got time for if it. your children wake up and they're, and they're little snots about 
what they got or didn't get yeah. on Christmas Day, and they're being greedy. You know, sanctify that day by bringing them the Christmas Day yeah. and, and making something out of it. No, I hope I hope next year, and I hope two things. I hope we can recover the joy of. I mean, I love. We do five o'clock and eleven p.m. Mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve. Um, five p.m. is always more the larger one it because is. the kids aren't in bed and yep. they can go do their dinner. Yeah, and my go, wife went yeah. to five o'clock for the first time yep. this yep. year. I understand that. Yeah, I love the midnight mass, even though I struggle physically because I go to bed way before mm-hmm. then normally. But it's so beautiful to be to be in the middle of the night at the Eucharistic prayer, yeah. uh, literally, and I love it. So I hope I hope we can continue to elevate that one as a as one that people will will prepare for and take a nap and come to, and then Christmas Day as well. Yeah. What I'd really like to do, and maybe we can talk about this, is you know there are three masses for Christmas that we've never yeah, that's right. we've never fully done. Yeah, so the Shepherd Mass, yeah, at, at dawn. And so um, now that my kids aren't, uh, I may do that one next year uh, early. Now that my kids you heard it here first. Now that my kids, uh, we have to wake them up. Yeah, and, uh, I did. I did ask them that, and they said, uh, yeah. Parents had to wake us yeah. up. <laughs> That's a big transition. It's a huge transition. It's a nice transition. I'm not, not going to lie, you know, to wake them up on yeah. our time. We've got the coffee already made. We're yeah, ready for them. had a moment. Yeah, had a moment, and they come down. Well, today is uh, a major feast, the Confession of St. Peter. And yesterday was uh, the Feast of Anthony of Egypt, or Anthony the Great. Um, and we're going to talk about Anthony, but I'm going to open us in prayer with the Collect for the Confession of St. Peter. And then I'm going to follow it up with the Collect for uh, St. Anthony um, to kind of lead us into that discussion. So let us pray. Almighty Father, who didst inspire Simon Peter, first among the apostles, to confess Jesus as Messiah and Son of the living God, keep thy church steadfast upon the rock of this faith, that in unity and peace we may proclaim the one truth and follow the one Lord, our Savior Jesus Christ, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who by thy Holy Spirit didst enable thy servant Anthony to withstand the temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil, give us grace with pure hearts and minds to follow thee, the only God, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the same Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. So Anthony of Egypt was one of the early desert fathers, um, and we'll, we'll talk about them for a second. But um, he has one of the most uh, impactful icons, and I, this is the one I should have, uh, you know, actually got for his for his uh, visual aid. If you're watching on YouTube, but this is Anthony of Egypt. Um, the the picture I'm talking about, I bet I can actually find it real quick. But it shows him um, surrounded by uh, demons. Correct. Um, well, there's two. I mean, there's one. There's, I, there's one that one that I can surra- show on. Uh, surrounded by um, scantily clad women. Yeah. There's one of demons. There's one just normally, you know, demons tormenting him. Um, and I might not be able to find it quick enough. But um, he was uh, a desert father who retreated to the desert. And um, the story of the desert fathers I've always found interesting because um, timing wise, this was a group of early Christians that uh, retreated immediately after Christianity became um, legitimized by Constantine, you know, around the 300s. And so for the first few hundred years, they were persecuted, there were uh, countless martyrs, and they were um, a minority. And as soon as they 
gained political or social power and legitimacy. There were some Christians who felt like that was pulling people away from um, authentic, you know, expressions of the faith. It, it, it had gone too easy. So they retreated to the desert for intense prayer, intense contemplation, <clears throat> um, early monastic communities, basically. And I've always found them, um, especially their saints, which we'll look at in a second, just absolutely fascinating because it's it's such a different expression of Christianity than what we're nor- what we're used to. But I think they can actually teach us a lot. Um, and you've got a book. Why don't you introduce that yeah, about, I mean, so about Anthony specifically? Let's let's talk about the Desert Fathers. I'm no expert on them, but they are early monastics. But we need we need to we need to differentiate between our concept of monasticism. Like for instance, I was going to tell you, um, there's a great when you're when you're rocking James and you need something to watch. Go, it's on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. The Name of the Rose. Hmm. Which is a um, a film based on um, a book in 1980 by um, I can't remember his name uh, Italian, but it's it's basically Sherlock Holmes in a Franciscan order solving uh, murders in a monastery. But the point is, when people think of monasticism, they think of an abbey, a monastery, monks, cloistered, or Monty Python, Monty Python, all that. Their heads. When we speak of the Desert Fathers, we're talking really are hermits, correct? Who go out yeah. by themselves. Yeah. Which and, is a, and there were communities. They were and we, like the saints we have. We you know there's abbots and leaders, but yeah. um, well, it, but, was, it but, was much more... But abbot, abbot oftentimes would likely mean father, like Abba. Correct. Which, you know, is... Correct. And so some of them were in communities, because exactly. some of them were uh, by themselves in a cell. Yeah. As I said in the homily yesterday, oftentimes these, these individuals were escaping the world, um, not so much to withdraw because they were afraid, mm-hmm. but to go and really go to an intense battle yeah. on that. And if there if there are two cinema images of people of my age will we'll get um, two famous movies, though, this might make the point. The first one would be in um, Empire Strikes Back, if you're a Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. when Luke yeah. Skywalker goes down into, I think it was a cave or something, yeah. or goes down into... Um, someplace, and he ends up doing battle with Darth Vader, mm-hmm. and then he discovers that Darth Vader is him. Yeah. So he, he was going by himself to a place to really do battle with what was inside yeah, a spiritual battle. So yeah. that that's an element of what they were doing. The other uh, sociological reality is that when when you have the confidence to withdraw, to go out to do battle and to pray, people notice, and then they realize you have something that mm-hmm. is worth learning from. And so they would go um, to, um, to, they would go out to these individuals. And there were men and women, but, but I mean, there are desert fathers yeah, and mothers. The books are called Saints of the Desert Fathers. Yeah. Um, clearly, even within the same book, they're Saints of the Mothers. And, and they're clearly more desert fathers than mothers Correct. that we have. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, they, but they were both. But I don't know if it was Antony or not. I think it might have been of where um, they would go to extreme measures to, Get away from these people, yeah. like sitting on top of a pillar. Yeah, and I so think those Anthony. became. Uh, yeah, there's what's, what's the word? They for had it? their own order of people who yeah, were doing I this. Yeah, forget the name. But at any rate, do you remember Forrest Gump when he started to run of his own initiative and just just to run? Yeah. people started following him, and there's that great image in the movie where there's hundreds of people yeah, running. And he's him. like, "I didn't want you here," but but they they but they thought he had some great insight mm-hmm. or some epiphany. And, and they knew these individuals were doing that. And um, so the book I have is really, it's the book by um, Athanasius, mm-hmm. a contemporary of Antony who wrote his life. Yeah. Fascinating book. And I really write, it's not, the book is, um, the book is not long. It's 
less than 150 pages, but half of that is an introduction, and right. the other half is another is another commentary. So, the actual life of Saint Anthony itself is not very long. You can read it in one sitting, yeah. and I really encourage it because you mentioned the image of the devil surrounding him. Mm-hmm. Now, I haven't. It's been a while since I've read it, but I was skimming through this morning and looking at all the things I've underlined, yeah. and the parts that I took away from it were all about his insight into temptation Correct, and, yeah. and evil thoughts. And the the one that um, clearly was insightful to me then, and I know you've got sayings of the Desert Fathers as yeah, well. Yeah, I was just looking to see if I have any of, of Anthony. But this but. is one that I think is... Um, I'll just I'll just read a paragraph yeah. here. So now, even if the devil himself confesses that he is able to do nothing, we ought to treat him and his demons with utter contempt. For his part, the enemy with his dogs has treacheries of the sort I have described, but we are able to scorn them, having learned of their weakness. Therefore, let us not be plunged into despair in this way, nor contemplate horrors in the soul. And this is the one I underlined because this. I think speaks to a lot, lot of us, nor invent fears for ourselves, uh-huh. saying, how I hope that when a demon comes, he will not overthrow me or pick me up and throw me down or suddenly set himself next to me and cast me hmm. into confusion. We must not entertain these thoughts at all, nor grieve like those who are perishing. Instead, let us take courage and let us always rejoice like those who are being redeemed. So he's getting at, and there's one final sentence I'll read. He is um, He's talking about our anxiety. I think how we mm-hmm. how we manufacture or we yeah. think or we anticipate or we get ourselves worked up. We do, and and what he's going to say next is is really important. And let us consider in our soul that the Lord is with us. He who routed them and reduced them to idleness. Let us likewise always understand and take it to heart that while the Lord is with us, the enemies will do nothing to us. Here's the line: for when they come. Their actions correspond to the condition in which they find in us. They pattern their phantasms after our thoughts. Hmm. That's good. Should they find us frightened and distressed, they they attack us. us like robbers, having found the place unprotected. Whatever we are turning over in our minds, this and more is what they do. Yeah, that's good. I think, is it Lewis who says in Screwtape Letters that they find the path of least resistance? Like um, lightning. Yeah. yeah. Whatever, you know, whatever gateway. And I think that's why so many of these early, you know, Christians went out into the desert to intentionally find where their weak links. Um, you know, you don't find those until it's tested. You know, you don't know the weak link until you see it start to start to break. And, and so many of their stories um, and sayings constantly talk about, you know, novices coming out there and, and caving real quick. Um, caving, that was an unintentional pun. But going out into these caves and just... Dad call, jokes yeah, have started yeah, already. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. But just realizing, I can't do it. Yeah. Um, and, and going to seek advice from these you know, men and women who have been doing it for years and years and years. And um, what I what I love about the saints, so I had the youth uh, pick these, and I'll have you pick a couple in a second and read some of them. And I told them, some of them are the most bizarre thing you've ever heard. And um, I think lean into that. I, I, they're so weird, and it's such a different way of speaking about the spiritual life. I remember the first time I read some of these, um, 
I couldn't stop reading them and thinking about them because some of them are so bizarre, so strange. And you're tempted to say, you know, did that really happen? Is that actually true? But I think the takeaway from all of this is that they are seeking a um, interior life that is so foreign to us. Um, and, it, I, you know, one of them, um, you know, if you draw this one, you, you can read a different one. But one of them that the youth and I talked about last night is, uh, it says, you know, one of the um, fathers was sick for three years and he woke up one morning and was well and he wept and he said, God has abandoned me. And we talked about how that's such a different conception of what our go-to reaction is now, that when things are going well, God has blessed me, God is with me. Um, And to reverse that and say, you know, the scriptures talk about how, you know, Christ's power is made perfect in suffering. And so this, you know, desert father is sick for years and years and years and has learned to say, this is an opportunity for me to display not my own strength, but Christ's strength. And so that when he's made well, he weeps. I mean, it's so counterintuitive. And I I think there's a, a... a benefit in in carefully saying, let's consider this. Let's consider some of the things they're saying. Um, you know, not to say if you're sick, do everything and you can to continue to make yourself sick. You know, that's taking it too far. They're not masochists. They're not you know going out to feel pain just to feel pain. But they're recognizing that the sufferings of life can bring us closer to Jesus. It's Christ. really interesting, and I think what we're when we see these sayings, I think this is. Um, a particularly unique Eastern it phenomenon, is, yeah, and yeah. so I was reading. And last that's part of why I find it so compelling. Yeah, I, think. I was I was reading last night. Um, I mean, here's an insight into when you hear Father Luke and I preach or teach. What we're reading at the moment will heavily influence oh, yeah. what we're saying in oh, yeah. the moment, uh, as is yeah. natural. So, I'm taking a class on on moral theology, um, and I'm reading. And, I, and you'll probably hear him come up in the homilies because in the next yeah, what's his what's Chris, his name? Christos Yonaras. See, interesting. Very Greek name. He's a he's a yeah. Actually, I'm very I'm very intrigued how a mama would name their son Christ. Yeah. So Christos Yonaras, he's still alive. He's in his 80s or 90s. He is a lay theologian, not ordained. Um, very anti-West in that he only speaks and writes in Greek, but even though he knows English, he knows English well. He knows probably several languages. Yeah. But at any rate, um, I was reading a chapter last night. So the the book is on um, it's called the Freedom of Morality, and it's a it's a, it is a compelling, fascinating look into and really it's really rearranging a lot of my mental furniture because we are I mean we I this is obvious I'm so Western, Correct. and by Western what we mean. Um, logic, categories, Mm -hmm. consistency, things must make sense. And there's a certain philosophical tradition that we all kind of adhere to. And one of the the chapter I read last night was on, so what what he's getting at is talking about how ultimate freedom is to, and this sounds really bizarre, um, and I won't have time to really flesh this out, is that we, the moral life now seems so connected to following this rule yeah. and doing this and avoiding that. And he's saying that really isn't freedom, um, and, and you're restrained, and that produces anxiety, so on and so forth. And that to be truly free to live a moral life, to, to, to be in communion with Jesus Christ, is to, is to be beyond all boundaries and all these sorts of things. That doesn't mean anything goes, but it just means that, that everything we do we're so confined. And the real kind of living antidote to that, and when I read this, this actually started to make sense for me. He did a chapter on holy fools, hmm. which is something that is particularly unique to the East yeah. and not to the West. And by fools, we mean 
um, people kind of like Antony or kind of like the Desert Fathers um, who are so radical in, mm-hmm. in breaking all social norms and conventions where wherever they go, they're kind of a bull in the china mm-hmm. shop. They're holy, but their holiness is manifest in ways that really challenge us. Yeah. And so an example of that would be, and w- w- one of the things he said that what holy fools do is that they, they're not focused on their own sin. I mean, they are, but they see that they take on the sin of the world. Yeah. They realize that we're not disconnected ultimately. Correct. And so by being sick for three years and then waking up crying, he sort of feels like he's disconnected yeah, from carrying that burden and then and then but in doing so trusting in the grace of Jesus yeah. Christ because you're constantly aware of that. That's good. It doesn't mean they're morbid and unhappy, but they're so connected to all of humanity, mm-hmm. which is a incredible kind of freedom. And the reason why he connects holy fools to freedom and frankly, when I think of holy fools, I think of like Elijah, yeah. one of our homeless <clears throat> guests, yeah. who breaks all oh, social yeah. conventions <clears throat> and all norms. Um, I, I, but there are some real elements of holiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every now and then. Every now and then. <laughs> Turn my head a little bit. It really challenges me, and I learn something from yeah. her by what she says and yeah. what she does. And kind of what she does is that she says, you really are for Jesus Christ. Yeah. You, 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 are you sure? She keeps asking. Are you yeah. sure? Well, what about this? And, and and so it's a really powerful witness. And these 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 fathers and mothers... They're extreme. Weird. Yeah. They're weird, but they're fools for Christ. Because here's the thing: by me saying they're weird and you're saying they're weird, they're what they're saying is I don't care about your category. Yeah. I don't care about and your social norm. <clears throat> You've called it weird. I'm not bound by it. And that's <clears throat> keep coughing. That's why they left. I think you you actually bring up a good point because I think one of the ways these people get criticized is they're escapist. Yeah. You know, they just leave. They're not, they're not connected to the sufferings of people. They leave. And that's actually the opposite. The opposite yeah. is that they go out to pray so, so that they become so spiritually connected with the sufferings of the world. And that is, that is how they are actually connected to the people left in the towns who did not go out into the mm-hmm. desert. Um, they leave so that they can be more connected to them. I love that point you made about he's not sick anymore, so he feels disconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, so he laments that. I think that is, you know, starting to get us really close to the mindset that they were trying to live into. So some people listening or watching may have never heard of the sayings of the Desert Fathers. We've said it a few times and how they're kind of weird. I mean, I think that's what, there's a couple different versions or editions, but it's literally just called Saints of the Desert Fathers. And it's, you know, on prayer and there's 120. It's like a collection of Proverbs, basically. Yeah, so it's basically like Proverbs, but some of them are, are kind of strange. So I've got... 15 that I had the youth read last night. I'm going to have you pick a few, and we're just going to read some. Um, if you have a comment, great. If not, um, we can just read them and go through them. Pick one more. Yeah, I got the long one here. There's a short one. And I'll, I'll pick a couple. Um, but kind of give people an idea of when we talk about the Desert Fathers and their way of life, You know, what do we actually mean? A brother who sinned was put out of the church by the priest. Abba Bessarion got up and went out with him saying, I am a sinner. I too am a sinner. Yeah, the youth really connected with that one. The idea of um, the leader of the community, you know, basically saying, look, you're going to kick out this person for, for a mistake he made. Well, I'm right there with him. There's, that's that 
connectedness of sin. That one's not quite so strange because that no, clearly goes no, back to. Some of to, these are good. Some of know, them are. are ye who without strange. sin cast the first yeah. stone. Okay, here's one. At skeet, a brother. A skeet would be a um, community. Correct. At skeet, not not what you, sh- you know, in the South, that's what you. Yeah. Shotguns shot, to shoot. shoot, uh, shoot guns with. It's um, S-C-E-T-E, uh, or sometimes S-K-E-T-E. At Skeet, a brother had slipped up, and a council was he- held. They sent for Abba Moses, Father Moses, and he's a, he's a, he's a famous one, mm-hmm. but he refused to come. So the priest sent for him, saying, come, for the company is waiting for you. He got up and came and took a basket with many holes, filled it with sand, and carried it with him. I've heard this one before. Coming out to meet him, they said to him, What is this, Father? And the elders said to him, said to them, My sins are running out behind me, and I do not see them. Yet here I have come today to pass judgment on the faults of another. They said nothing to the brother when they heard this, but they forgave him. So you got both of them dealing with, you know, sin and not passing judgment. Um, that's one of my favorite ones. So I've got, uh, I'll read a, a couple, and these are, you know, a little bit, little bit more strange. Um, here's the first one. Abba Lot came one day to see Abba Joseph and said to him, Father, I keep my little rule to the best of my ability. I observe my modest fast and my contemplative silence. I say my prayers and do my meditation. I endeavor as far as I can to drive useless thoughts out of my heart. What more can I do? The elder rose to answer and lifted his hands to heaven. His fingers looked like lighted candles, and he said, why not become holy fire? That's one of the more famous weird ones where, um, you know, a brother comes to see, you know, the, the other father and, you know, basically says, I'm praying as good as I can. I'm fasting. I want more, though. And uh, the Abba lifts up his hand and it's on fire. He says, why not become holy fire? Uh, the youth and I talked a lot about that one. I, I, you know, kind of asked them, "What do you make of that?" And they had 15 different answers. Listen, I mean, when you go to when you go to the Holy Sepulcher in Jerusalem on the Easter Vigil, that's how the candles are lit mm-hmm. as they go in the in the tomb, and they wait until the Holy when, Fire yep. comes down. And and um, we are not told how that fire happens. That's but, right. You know, don't know. This is a, another good one. A brother who was moved to anger against somebody stood in prayer asking that he might exercise long-suffering toward the brother and that he might survive the temptation to be angry. Straight away, he saw smoke coming out of his mouth, and when that happened, his anger was put to rest. So smoke literally as the temptation leaving his body. But it kind of gives you an idea. Um, one of them you know, says a brother carried a stone in his mouth for three years to learn silence. Um, one of the more famous ones that I remember is... Um, a murderer uh, runs into the desert to escape authorities, and he comes to the cell of, um, you know, one, one of these Abba, one of these fathers, and, um, you know, authorities make their way out there, and it's this moving scene where they ask the Abba, is there a murderer here? And he says, no. And so they leave, and he turns to the murderer and says, Christ has forgiven you, and you are wiped clean. Um, and, you know, don't politicize that too much about you know mm-hmm. escaping the authorities, but the idea is they they refuse to um, see anyone as unworthy or as anything other than um, what they saw themselves as as someone who makes mistakes but is forgiven by Christ um, 
and is put on a new path to, to grow closer and closer to him. And so I think the story ends with the murderer staying and becoming his disciple for the next yeah. yeah for the next ten years. That, that's the that's the key point is yeah. that they do that. So they're, too, they're they do that for the sanctification of the other. Correct. There are two two observations I have. One is oh I can remember both of them is that this kind of behavior would not be tolerated in the West. No. And so you have to have the vast expanse and the rural culture of mm-hmm. Russia mm-hmm. Uh, and also Greece, I yeah. think, because what would happen here is that we would have them locked up. There, Absolutely. they're sought after uh, historically uh, for wisdom. There's a, there's a very, very good book. Did you ever read that book? No, it wasn't given to you. There's a very good book. It was given to someone else that I was with called Laurus, L-A-U-R-U-S. Um, Chloe read it. So um, I haven't read it. You either yet. love it or you hate it. I loved it. Yeah. It's all about a holy fool. It's a Is really it? challenging okay. read, and it's an insight into the piety of of, of Eastern Orthodox yeah. um, spirituality on that. Um, the other comment is what is jarring and shocking to me is you have these individuals who are so ascetic. They fast. They don't eat usually Mm -hmm. um, um, or or they're so uh, concentrated on their own brokenness Mm -hmm. and sins, like like carrying the basket with the sand sand coming out. Yet they're so merciful. Mm -hmm. Of all the people who may, to quote St. Paul, have all the all the have the CV or the resume yeah. to to be able to say, do as I do. They don't. They don't. Yeah. And again, that is also something that we wouldn't normally see. We would mm-hmm. say, come learn from me. Yeah. They're the they're the opposite. And I I find that um, refreshing and challenging. How mm-hmm. merciful. Like the extreme example. There's no murderer here. Yeah. We've all killed people in our hearts. So yeah. You're, you're yeah. the same. And it's radical, and it, and it grabs us. Mm-hmm. And in that chapter on holy fools, one of the examples of people who sort of, kind of, um, you know, um, um, uh, flout—is it flout or flaunt? Flout the rules that were given. Like they would, um, like a monk may not eat for forty days, mm-hmm. but then on Good Friday have a feast. Hmm, interesting. And and people are are looking at him saying, "How do you don't even feast on Good Friday yet?" They don't realize he'd been yeah. fasting for forty days yeah. straight. But they, you can't you can't ignore these individuals. Yeah. And and not it's not that we all have that calling to be holy fools. Not at all. It's a unique. I mean, they sacrifice. Yeah, these are they sacrifice all worldly good yeah. and affection and praise for this purpose, mm-hmm. and they just don't care. I like worldly praise and and comfort yeah. and prestige. These are exceptions. These to are the exceptions. Yeah, um, this is not you know, for better or worse, my game plan for the rest of my life. Um, but you know, there's tremendous amounts of wisdom to learn. So. Uh, I think this transitions us to actually talk about uh, a suggestion that um, uh, somebody gave us to talk about. And, you know, Desert Fathers are one way of responding to this this question, but the, the idea of being in the world, but not of it. Um, and we see this show up in the scriptures, and, and I'll read a portion of it here in a second. Um, in Jesus' prayer, he uses this phrase. But, you know, the, the broader conversation is for Christians, what... It, how do we relate to the world around us? Um, because like, like we just talked about with the Desert Fathers, we're not trying to escape the world. Um, that's not even what the Desert Fathers were doing. No. And yet, we are called aliens or strangers. And well, so, they were escaping the world not to avoid the world, but to, but to redeem it yeah, through their yeah. prayers. And so, you know, 
let's talk a little bit about that. So I'm going I'm to open us with a passage from John 17, and this is where Jesus kind of um, introduces this idea or at least brings it up most explicitly. But this is uh, when he's praying for his disciples. And I'm going to pick up in verse 14 of John chapter 17. I have given them your word, and the world has hated me because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in, your, in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. So that's where we you know, get the phrase, we, we don't belong to the world or we're not of this world. Um, but what I think immediately strikes me in Jesus' prayer is that the whole context of this conversation is what you just said. It's to redeem the world. Um, the point is not to leave them, you know, leave them to be burned. It's, it's to recognize that we uh, are not of it. We don't belong to it. And yet we are sent to the world to redeem it. And that is, that is Jesus Christ. He doesn't belong to the world, but he is sent into the world by the Father to redeem it, to sanctify it. And so in that sense, he is in the world. And then that's, you know, the kind of the difference between in the world, but not of the world. Um, I think in John 17, it's really a, a conversation about to who do you belong? Um, to who do you submit to? To the world or to, to God? Um, and you do that while you're still in the world, and yet you recognize that you know you belong. You're, the authority that you recognize is not of this world. Um, but wh- what do you make? You know, when when people use that phrase "in the world but not of the world," um, how do you kind of go about explaining that? Usually, I think when people often say that, they they actually do try to avoid the world itself mm-hmm. when when they do, when they do say it. Yeah. And to go along with, I think it was, I think it was in the colic for St. Anthony about the world, the flesh, yeah, and the devil. Yeah, that was, that was Anthony. Um, I mean, yes, what that means is, is that we do not find our identity, who we are. We don't find our, our sustenance. We don't find our hope in what the world offers. Yeah. Um, and so you can be in the middle of everything um, and, and, and feeling everything, but, n- but you are f- going back to what I mentioned earlier about freedom, you are free from it. Yeah. And, and I think that it's that freedom that, um, and that's a difficult thing. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we love to talk about freedom, yeah. yet we, we are all confined um, internally. And I think that's, that's the freedom we're going for mm-hmm. is that it's not that, that there's any sort of external rule saying you must do this, all those, those do exist. Mm-hmm. It goes back to what St. Saint, um, Saint Anthony was saying in, about creating the internal rules yeah. and struggles and the anxieties that we have. How can you be in the world but not of it? How can you live and breathe and work and have these relationships? Mm-hmm. But your ultimate um, grounding, everything that you know to be true comes from Jesus Christ, yeah. who is who is you're not you're not you're not you're not relying on what the world provides to find your hope to understand what love is to understand who you are because those things will fade away yeah and those things will fade away and and in ways i mean there's the ultimate fading away at the end of time but the point being is that of um of the world is my job gives me my yeah. my understanding as to who i am well until you get laid off then what yeah. happens or yeah. 
It's the relationships that I've made here until these until those fail. Mm-hmm. Okay, then it's it's material possessions. It's my material possessions until those are taken away, um, or your or your your tastes change. Or yeah. no, it's what I can do is it was the gifts that I have well, until you get sick. Yeah, yeah. All those things. I mean, this goes back to Job. I mean, all those things can right. be taken away. So. The world, I mean, we're not dualists here where the world itself is evil. Correct. But it's what has happened to the world and the lies that, that are told um, by the devil through the world yeah. as to, as to um, that we must battle with the world, the flesh. And so the world, the flesh, and the devil is, is the, the world would be the collective um, lure and lie mm-hmm. of, of a broken society, a Correct. broken humanity. Yeah. The flesh would be our own desires that lie to us. And mm-hmm. the best example of, of how our body lies to us is when you're hungry, are you really hungry? Mm-hmm. Or... Is your mind telling you you need to eat? Yeah. Now, yes, sometimes our stomach does growl because we have nothing in You're our correct. stomach. But there are oftentimes my body is telling me I need to have something that I actually don't need to have. Mm-hmm. I don't need to have that cheeseburger to have that cellular function, yeah. you know, to, to make sure that's facilitated. Yeah. And so and we, we have to control our body and yeah. train our body to, to, to understand what is truly a human basic need. And what is um, gluttony, or what yeah, is sloth, yeah. or what? I mean, this happens. Case may yeah, be. You, you, this happens to me a lot. You know, I have um, something sweet one or two nights in a row. That third night, I'm like, oh, I need something sweet. Well, no, I don't. I've just, I've just become used and, to that fulfillment of desire, that immediate satisfaction. And you are discovering now, and it will be intensified as James gets older, your job as a parent is to train him. Correct, to recognize is that, those. Yeah, is that right now, you're just crying because you're just mad mm-hmm. and not because you're hungry. And you have to sort of impose yeah. those disciplines yeah. on him, even when we ourselves aren't very great. So that's the flesh. It's all those those passions that that are not rooted in truth. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and then of course the devil is the devil who works in in both the right. world and the flesh. Yeah, and the antidote for all of those um, has always been prayer, fasting, almsgiving. Yep. Um, prayer against the devil, fasting against the flesh, and almsgiving against the world. Correct. So you give away to prevent against the desire to accumulate. You withhold food to um, train your body to to subdue your desires to your your mind or your spirit. Um, and then you pray because that's the only antidote to um, to the demon, to yeah. Satan. And another maybe a real world example about the world, because we don't want to be again escapists. Mm-hmm. That the world is awful, and let's do like that M Night Shyamalan movie of um, the village. The village, yeah. where we create our own utopia to avoid everything. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. I think a lot of good spiritual themes mm-hmm. in those movies. I was talking to a parishioner yesterday who was in a place of business and there was some um, bad behavior in, in the place of business. And what was shocking was the people who were doing the bad behavior are like the perfect Instagram huh. people. Like everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, and that that is an example of kind of the world where we, we feel the need to portray ourselves in yeah. perfection. And then we see others who seem to be perfect and then we feel judged. So we, yeah. we try to do everything we can to have that. And it's all a lie Correct. is yeah. the point. It's all a mask to cover what, what is true and, or the, the ends that we're going to as a society now to um, disfigure ourselves, mm-hmm. to deny what is true. And that is we get old. We get older, yeah. and our bodies fail. Yeah. And I find it refreshing. I'm like, yeah, and this uh, is a this is also uniquely to go back to the Western thing. Completely uniquely Western idea of 
avoid death, avoid aging, yeah. pretend it doesn't exist, and then until you, one day you drop dead. I love and I love celebrities like Jamie Lee Curtis who aren't changing their appearance yeah. and who are aging um, naturally. And Christina Applegate, I think, was at the Emmys or whatever was this week. She has MS and was on her cane. And, yeah, and good. Um, she was being who she was. Yeah. It was it was authentic mm-hmm. and not the lie. Correct. That we're constantly trying yeah. to tell ourselves. It's and not so much telling other people. I don't. It's, we're trying it's, to tell yeah, ourselves. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, yeah, we do. Because it starts and that's internally. Okay. Absolutely. And then, and then you know, we try to model our external situations. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, we have to be able to recognize what the world is and what the world is not, or even what is necessary for the world. Uh, what is the good of the world and what's the bad? Um, I don't think we spend time thinking about that too much because we, you know, we remind ourselves God created the world and declared it good, mm-hmm. but He did not create sin and, and you know the desire for destruction and um, you know pride and all of the stuff that has found its way into so many areas of the world. And I think part Which of are deprivations of what is good, yeah, part absence of, of the good. Uh, spiritual maturity is to recognize. What is in the world that is good and what is in the world that I'm fighting against? Um, and that is when you start to be able to recognize like in the world but not of the world. I think a good um, you know, way to close out this discussion is the practical advice. And this is what I actually think people are looking for when they ask about in the world and of the world. I think what they mean most of the time is about how should I interact with X or Y or Z. Um, if I'm in the world but not of the world, should I? And this, we talked about this a few months ago about like you know secular film and entertainment. Like how, how should Christians approach that? But broadly speaking, what should we view um, our identity in the world to be um, as Christians? And and I think that is really what they're getting at. Like, should I act like? non-Christians in how I interact with the world? Or, or are there certain things I should avoid if I'm in the world but not of it? Um, and I think people want that, um, maybe the rules, they want the rules. What, what should I avoid? What shouldn't I avoid? You know, practically, what is this And that's mean? hard because we need, I think we do need to have rules until we come to a place of spiritual maturity. Right. And so going back to the Desert Fathers and those holy fools, mm-hmm. they, went, they, they went out of the world so they could be in the world mm-hmm. most intensely. Yeah. But again, going back to that chapter on holy fools, um, Christos Yannaris gave examples of these holy fools who would visit brothels uh, not to yeah. not to not to partake, mm-hmm. but to be with them and yeah. to give money. Yeah. But they but the thing is they weren't afraid of the scandal. Correct. Yeah. They weren't afraid of walking into the brothel and, and people so, seeing them. And there was examples like of someone who falsely accused someone of 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 this is here's a here's a crazy story. I never heard this one. I forget the I forget the man's name. He was wrongly accused of of raping a woman who had a child who then had a child mm-hmm. and um, he didn't deny it he said well goodness if I now have a child I need to go work to support that child mm. so here's the woman who was raped had wow. a child he supported the child by by doing all this work and labor and, and begging to do that until later it was discovered it was a it false accusation yeah. but he didn't care he took care of the child yeah. Right? That's a holy fool. That's a yeah, holy fool. Yeah. He didn't because people's judgment didn't matter to mm-hmm. him. What mattered was, was connected with this, the needs and the sufferings. This, this, of, yes, yeah. absolutely. So in that sense, they, he was completely 
in the world connected mm-hmm. to people, but was unstained mm-hmm. by what could happen to him spiritually. But we need to be very, very clear. This is a unique calling of people who inspire Again, us. Exception. Yeah, they inspire us to go deeper into our faith and, and, to, and to learn from this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we shouldn't go to brothels. Yeah. But we shouldn't, we shouldn't shun or judge the ones who are there. Correct. We should love them. We should love them to a place where they realize this does not have to be their life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the key. That's typically not our response. What's yeah. our response is to go and say, how dare you, don't do it. Um, those holy fools did not say that prostitution is, uh, is what God's plan is yeah. in terms of sexual relations. It's not what they're saying. They love them mm-hmm. so intensely that they wanted them, just just like the the, the murderer, yeah. to live a different Correct. life. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a different approach altogether. Yeah. Any final thoughts about the Desert Fathers or Anthony or in the world but not of the world? No, I think people. You probably probably can find Athanasius's um, life can, of Saint yeah. Anthony online yeah. without having to or buy the book. Or saying to the Desert Fathers, um, you can probably find online um, sayings just on web pages and stuff. The life of Saint Anthony is absolutely worth a worth yeah. a read. I think um, one final way to wrap all this up is, um, you know, I'm struck by in Anthony's life and the sayings of the Desert Fathers, and with Jesus in John 17. Um, the foundation of all of this is love. It's the love of Jesus Christ, it's love of God the Father, and it's love of the people around you. And if you can figure out a way to get that right, to get that foundation correct, then all the other practical stuff kind of falls into place. Um, you know, it, in the extreme example, a murderer shows up at your door. If your first instinct is to love him and not judge him, then maybe you can get to the point where you say, well, I'm just like you. Let's Let's find a better way of life for you. Um, if you can, you know, visit a, a, a brothel or, or view the people who work in a brothel, and your first instinct is love and our judgment, you can get to the point where you can see them and, and work towards their betterment. But that, I think, is the key for the desert fathers and mothers especially, is that there was a tremendous amount of love for the world, for strangers who they never have met. And that came through... Um, ascetic practices, denying themselves certain things, denying themselves the pleasures that make us um, lazy at times. But it was that love of one another that I think we should all strive to emulate. And those ascetic practices, my final comment, were not done because they hate their bodies mm-hmm. or hate food, yeah. but they denied themselves those things so that they may be filled instead mm-hmm. with contemplation of Jesus Christ and mm-hmm. his love and his mercy. So it was an ex- extreme example to deny themselves um, what, what, is, what is good. In a, I mean, food is good for us. It yeah. was given to us. Yeah. But they denied themselves so they could have an intense filling of Jesus Christ in their lives. Yeah. Let's close in prayer. What's for lunch? <laughs> what? What's for lunch? <laughs> Sorry, Seamless <pray>. transition. <laughs> Oh, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen.